You're listening to Both Sides of the Mask. Umpires getting together to talk what it's like on both sides of their mask. Creating a fun atmosphere for anyone who can relate to sports, life, and officiating. Wow. What about that intro music? Did you guys miss it? We've had those power chats, but we didn't put the music before. But it's nice to hear that back again. You know what that means. It's time for another episode. Maybe like the fifth or sixth full episode of Both Sides of the Mask for 2021. It has been a crazy ride through the season. We thought it was going to take maybe less time or maybe that we we're going to have more time to do some recordings. But work got busy. School got busy. Travel plans got busy. Someone was on the road all the time doing some crazy stuff. But we have two exciting guests today on the podcast. So we're going to get right into it, name a couple sponsors, and then we'll jump right to our guests. So Tom Davis Recruiting, Diamond Umpire Academy, and Destiny Robinson down in Pensacola, Florida with Move Period. So welcome to our first guest. I'm going to introduce them. Tony Williams, welcome to Both Sides of the Mask. Oh, thanks for having me on the show. <laughs> and now for the introduction of our next guest, Liz Hammerschmidt. <laughs> wow, I wasn't expecting to be on this episode this morning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't think anybody was expecting anybody to be on an episode. <laughs> it has been a while. Oh my gosh, it's been a while. And we appreciate, you know, all the support and feedback that we've been getting. You know, I, I was getting some messages throughout the season and especially towards the end of the season. Hey, you know, are, are you still doing your podcast? You know, you enjoy it. When's the next time you guys are doing an episode? And like Tony said, it just it got busy, work, traveling, everything. It just uh, it was a grind. But we're back. We're going to fill up your speakers, Bluetooth, whatever you use for your podcast. We're going to fill it up for you this summer as much as we possibly can. Yeah, we just kind of jump in here and do a little episode, kind of get both of our feet wet again, recording so we don't say the same stuff over and over, like, um, as, and so on and so forth, things like that. So we'll try to get our feet wet again in this whole podcast situation so that it's enjoyable to listen to. But we're close to about 8,000 total downloads and listens for all the episodes that we had. Thank you so much to everybody for listening. And what I want you to do right now is jump on Apple Podcasts, if you're an Apple user, and put a review on there. Put a rating on there. Leave it. Let us know what you think of it. Add the stars, add comments, whatever. That's going to help us know how we can improve, but it's also going to let other listeners know what our podcast is about. So, Tony, my season is done. It was. Hell of a season, yes. <laughs> it it uh, it definitely fulfilled what I was looking for. You know, it wasn't something I was anticipating this year, but this was a, a goal that I was able to achieve that I didn't think that again that I was going to be on the mark for it. But I was able to embrace it. And if anybody has no idea what I'm talking about, what are you living under a rock? No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> on average, over a million people watched games one through 14 in the Women's College World Series. So, I mean, at least a million people know what's going on. They may <laughs> not know who you were, but they might have recognized you or at least saw you. That's all right. That's all right. But no, like this, this year was a very fulfilling year. I was able to work the 2021 World Series. It was an amazing experience. I mean, talk about bone chilling events like it didn't hit me until I walked on the field we'll put it that way but 
just to kind of give you like a little bit of a backstory, like how it all came down. I was scheduled at UCLA for my super regional and we were heading back Sunday morning. My flight was Sunday morning. And mind you, like we started first and I think we were one of the, the few that actually ended first. But we did go to, you know, we did three games. But Sunday morning early, I was at the airport and I received the phone call before I went through security. And I was like, oh, wow, you got to be kidding me. So that was just a, it, it was it was surreal. Like, I really didn't think it was happening. And the question I got from Craig was, do you think you're ready? And I gave him the most honest answer. I said, I don't think anybody's ready until they step on that field. And that's a true story, what I told him. Everything didn't hit me until I got there. Like, you know, we're at the hotel. We're all settled in the next day. You know, we have our morning meeting. I wasn't scheduled until the last two games of the first day of opening play. And I'll tell you what, Tony, when it hit me, was when the crowd started roaring after the first play. That's when everything hit me. I wasn't nervous. I wasn't like, you know, I didn't have the jitters. But when that crowd started just erupting, man, chills just up my spine. I had goosebumps for a few innings. It was so cool. It was such a great experience. 13,000 people can get a little bit loud, I imagine. (laughs) Especially being Oklahoma fans if they're there. Right. That's going to say a hometown team. You know, there was the whole other thing of people talking about Oklahoma having the home field advantage. But if they moved it somewhere else, say Florida, say Georgia, well, there was a team from each of those states that were in it. So if we move it, somebody's always going to have a home field advantage. So even at the College World Series, so Nebraska was actually playing at Arkansas. So if they would have got into the College World Series, are we going to have a fit about them? getting to play in Omaha, man, somebody's always going to have home field advantage. Look at the uh, Super Bowl. Uh, Tampa Bay played at Tampa Bay on the neutral site. Oh, wait, it was a home game. Things happen. Team has to perform during the season to get there. So it is what it is. Somebody's always going to have home field advantage of it. But 13,000 people are there when Oklahoma, Oklahoma State are playing. But let's go back just a little bit about how your whole season went, the travel restrictions, the not getting to sit with crew. Let's kind of go over a little bit about that. I got to work sporadically towards the end of the season. I worked two of the last three weekends, which was nice to be back. But guess what? I did something for my family. My wife was in school. You know what she got in both of her classes? A's. You know what list she made? She made Dean's list. She made the Dean list. So it was well worth it for her to have the time to focus on her school. So congratulations to my wife as well. How did your season go during it? What was it like? So, like I said, you know, when we go through the virtual trainings and they're talking about like they want us to be able to stay socially distanced, you know, we started finding out from conferences of like what their protocols were for if you tested positive already. You know, obviously the vaccines weren't something that was distributed to the, the, the more common individuals, you know, it's more for like, you know, the tier ones. You know, it was just, it was a lot of things that just went into consideration. So a lot of us didn't work the very first weekend it was of open play. A lot of us didn't, you know, work the second weekend of open play. So there was a lot of questions like the schedules too. How many people were stressing about the schedule? Because they weren't putting out the schedule like we were used to, like we were getting schedules in August, September, October, November. Here we're in the month of January, even the beginning of February, and things were finally starting to filter out. And you're just like, oh, 
I have to find a plane. Oh, rental cars, they don't exist. That was a whole nother you know, trauma that we had to go through. And I'll be honest with you, Tony, with, with the whole rental cars in the, in the um, air, airlines to schedule, we, that could be a whole nother podcast we can get into because that's a whole nother story. But going to certain institutions that would follow through the COVID guidelines where they wouldn't produce a locker room saying that they're trying to follow by the COVID guidelines. Uh, I was at a institution where our locker room was no joke, a vending machine, I'm sorry, a vending trailer. It looks like we were passing out funnel fries. Did you get any funnel cakes? Did they supply it with funnel cakes at least? No, they didn't even give us any batter, which pissed me off. What a bummer. Um, And all joking aside, you know, we went through a whole dramatic effect of female sports getting being becoming an afterthought again this could be a whole nother podcast too because we can line up 12 podcasts about just experience from this year but right there just let us know what kind of an afterthought we really were but we survived that's the whole whole thing is that we survived was it acceptable no again we'll get into that a little bit later but as the season was progressing things were starting to you know become a little bit easier to manage and i'm an introvert by, by, by just how I am. Like, I like to do things on my own. You guys know, I like to stay in fitness. So pretty much like, you know, I, I, first thing I do is when I'm looking for hotels, what does their fitness room look like? You guys noticed that with a lot of the posts I made on Instagram and Facebook and all that. Wait, you're claiming all of them. Now people all probably all thought it was me. (laughs) All right. Whatever. Totally. I mean, that's how was I supposed to fit into the medium shirts, right? That's a whole nother podcast too. (laughs) No, but in all seriousness, like, you know, I I think a lot, they brought out a lot of like uh, different personalities this year with how people do interact. You know, some of us love to hang out. We miss that, that uh, bonding we had with our fellow crewmates with going out to dinner, you know, having a drink afterwards, or just like some of us like to go to fitness places, you know, before our assignments. So like a lot of, a lot of the stuff we got, got set aside and we really had to dig deep and find other things and, other traits that we weren't into before. So, but once we got into conference play, we started to find out what, you know, what we were and were not allowed to do because especially with with the COVID restrictions and then also the rental cars, there was like rental car properties weren't funneling through enough. They didn't have enough cars because they had to, with their fleet stock, they didn't have enough. So we had to share rides. Uh, we had to get picked up, you know, so th- th- that went into consideration. We had some cancellations. I actually went through three COVID cancellations this year. Luckily, two out of the three, I was rescheduled. The first one, it was my first weekend of play at an ACC event. Found out a week before that they had COVID. And the restrictions were the teams had to, they they had to sit out for two weeks. I think it was like, what was it, 10 to 14 days, whatever their conference was. Hmm. Uh, Luckily, when I found out I was at a Big Ten bubble and I contacted my SEC coordinator and just said, hey, I go, this is what's happening. If for some reason this doesn't get moved or I don't get moved with my ACC event, I'm, I'm available. And I got sent <laughs> in like four days in advance. I got sent down to Mississippi. <laughs> this, little, this little girl from Ohio was getting sent down to Mississippi in four days. <laughs> so, I mean, that but that was worth it. It was worth the trip and everything that was that came with it. Um I was scheduled at Michigan and they ended up getting COVID. And luckily, uh, since I live so close to Michigan, there was an in-state rival with Michigan State. So I ended up doing some of their midweek games later on in the season. But ironically, the next week after my Michigan series got canceled with COVID, Baylor got canceled. <laughs> I guess of COVID. So, but I, I, um, 
I was really thankful because my coordinator, and we all know her, Sally Walker, she actually moved me to Penn State, which she assigns both the Big 12 and Big 10. So that was very thankful. I was very thankful that I wasn't out two weeks in a row. But not a lot of people were very fortunate. There were some people that were out for two weeks, three weeks. One of our guests that we had not too long ago, Antonio Flores, had COVID towards the end of the season. And he missed out almost three weeks worth of, of, of working because of it. He was supposed to work a conference championship and he got pulled from it just because he was out for two, almost three weeks because of, uh, of his missing out. But his season ended up ending very well. I would love to get him back on so we could talk about his season ending because he ended up getting a regional at the D2 level. And also he was in consideration for the NAIA championships as a alternate. So he ended very well. And he's also got uh, some big plans for his life-changing events that are going on. So I would like to get him back on there as well. So I know, Tony, that was a little long-winded. But again, the way that things worked out, I know your season wasn't what what it was supposed to be planned out, but it worked out for the better of your family. You know, with me having COVID back in January, it actually helped out tremendously with the with the finances and the traveling and the the availability. I was able to go wherever the, you know, my uh, signers were able to go to. And then um, finally got vaccinated. So when postseason came around, that was another thing that was a nice little factor where the UICs didn't have to worry about the ones that were vaccinated to test positive or pop a test. So that, that was a nice little reliever at that point. That was a lot to go through. And there's probably more that we can talk about. <laughs> Well, you know, my season wasn't what I wanted to be, but my it was, my season was what it needed to be this year. And I was so thankful to um, Sally and Christy both. They had me assigned for a pretty extensive schedule, gave them a call, and both of them completely understood. And I was very grateful for that. I wasn't going to say it wasn't, wasn't an easy decision um, to make, but knowing that they both trusted in my abilities and still got me some work later in the year uh, really helped out for me as well. So I could get to be out on the field with what we love, what we love doing. So here's to 2022. Hopefully I can get some summer work in for USA ball, but something that I use a whole lot. And one of the series that I had was the first series that I ever called in this conference for conference games. And it could have gone way differently me having the first plate game out for the series, it could have gone way differently. Um, so I have to commend Wind Reality and the software that they have for me keeping my eyes sharp and doing that tracking, that repetitive motion of the tracking really helps out of getting out on the field and nothing's going to replace the on-field play, but getting to see those pitches in a virtual world was pretty sweet. So when reality has actually added in a couple new softball side people. So hopefully it's going to keep growing and what we can get for it. I talked to Carl the other day. Uh, they actually had headsets that were at the Women's College World Series. And I told them to get in contact with the umpires, at least try to find Craig. Told them where they could get it and see if they could get some headsets down there uh, to you guys. But I do notice on Facebook, since this is hooked to Facebook, every now and then I get a notification to add other people. They add them on Oculus. So uh, Laura Head, who we had talked about with SoCal umpires that had me in that group, it said add her to Oculus. So maybe she got one 
But I think umpires are starting to get in it and start to use it. And hopefully they can use that win reality and we can continue to grow it. Talk to them. Uh, when I was saying I talked to Carl, talked about getting at least a catcher in there or a batter in there. So hopefully something will happen with that soon. So your season went really well and you got the games that were in. Um, conference tournament season comes around. Not everybody may know how that works out. All conference assigners do it a little bit differently. When did you find out and what conference tournament did you end up calling? Well, I was asked to do the ACC tournament last season. Actually, uh, Mike Grainer has been asking me for the last couple of years to be a part of it. So 2019, he asked if I could be a part of it for 2020. Obviously, everybody knows what happened with 2020. So right before all the schedules were posted out, I reminded him, hey, is this, are you still in consideration for it? And yes, uh, I, I ended up working the ACC tournament. Now, everyone is different when it comes to scheduling. Everyone has like their different uh, agenda. We'll put it that way. And finding out what my, what, when it started, when the schedules were, it was probably about a good two weeks or less finding out where we're staying, when we need to arrive, when we need to, when the games are going to be starting. Oh, and by the way, I didn't find out what I was personally working until the night before when I arrived. <laughs> so I had the first plate game of the tournament. <laughs> Let's get prepared real quick. Right. Well, and a lot of people don't know like what I was doing is, uh, so I was doing every year. I am, I'm, I'm trying to think of the term that I want to look for, but uh, Sally Walker really counts on me for doing some of the makeup games, especially for, either Ohio State or Penn State, Michigan or Michigan State, because I'm so close, you know. So, like, if if games get rescheduled during the midweek as a rainouts or you know, snow, because we're up here in the north. Or in my case, uh, my Michigan-Michigan State series got canceled because of COVID. So I was fortunate enough to make up those games that were canceled and I could do the midweek games. Well, there was another series that got canceled because of COVID. And none of the umpires were that were scheduled for the Penn State-Michigan State weekend were available. So she asked me over a month ago, but before conference play started, if I'd be willing to work those makeup games. And it was the Wednesday before the ACC tournament started. Now, mind you, when I said that I didn't know about the ACC tournament, when everything started or when everything was scheduled, you know, I took in consideration the games were starting at noon. I was like, that's perfect. All I do is just drive down to Louisville. If anybody is familiar, you know, or if they're, you know, a geographic king, I'm not. But I didn't realize it was five and a half hours from East Lansing. So by the time I got out of East Lansing, it was about five. And I, and I actually got in at a pretty good time. It was about 1030. And then 1030 at night in Louisville is when I found out I had the first plate game. And I just got done doing, no joke, I did three plate games in five days. And if you want to count the, the previous, I did four plate games in seven days before my conference tournament. So that's a lot of games for Division One level. If anybody understands it, it's it's a grind because games don't last to 90 minutes like we're used to. Games aren't two hours like they're used to. Now these games are two, two and a half, almost three hours long. It, it was, that was a grind, especially towards the end of the season. But the conference tournament went really well. We did four-man, I'm sorry, four-person umpire system, which there was another conference tournament that was doing a four-umpire system, and that was the Big 12. Not only were we doing a four-umpire system, we were also doing instant replay. There was only three conferences in the nation that was doing instant replay for their conference tournament. And we were the only ones that was doing a four-man format for it. So the other two that were doing the instant replay was the SEC. They were doing three-man. 
and I believe it was the Sun Belt. They were doing three man mm-hmm. with the instant replay. And our buddy Chad Steers, you guys are familiar with that name. He was uh, down at the Sun Belt tournament for that. Let me tell you, it was a great experience to do four man. First of all, to be prepared for the next weekend for postseason, but replay. Let me just tell you, the coaches loved it. And I actually had a call overturned. I'm not going to lie. I had a call overturned. I had a play at third that I just got too close on. And it was one of those. I was like, oh, that was close. <laughs> it was a tag play. She ended up being safe. She just got her hand in there. And when when you get a call overturned, you can take it one of two ways. You can have an ego or you can be like, you know what? It's a learning experience. You know, I got a couple messages from some of our colleagues, some of them. You have to separate yourself with the feelings of how they present the text message. And then you got the ones like kind of like what Tony did. And he's like, hey, you know, if you would just would have gone gone more to the right and taken a couple more steps back, you would have seen right through it. And you know what? Those are the ones that I appreciate because you have your fellow crewmates that can give you honest feedback. And I, and he was right. I mean, I, he was completely right. It, I, as soon as I made the call, I knew I was not in the right position, but it helps you. And if you take it the wrong way. If you get defensive about because your play get overturned, that's on you. You know, that's not you learning. That's not you teaching because we're not the only ones on the field that's watching the game. There's other people that are watching too. Um, but I also had another replay, and, and, and I know, Tony, uh, you want to chime in real quick, but I had another play that was uh, reviewed, and I was, I was right. It was a steal play at second uh, with, I think it was Clemson. I'm trying to remember who they were playing. I think I think it was the championship game, Clemson and Duke, and there was a steal play. And they wanted to go replay, and I was right. So I was fifty percent right that weekend. <laughs> one, one for two, you know. But it, really, even in the tournament that you guys had there, there were some plays that were overturned. There was plays that confirmed, and we can go a little bit into that. But I wanted to chime in a little bit on the play that you had overturned. And usually, when we have something that goes wrong, or that we get a call wrong, what did we do? to set ourselves up to be in that position or what what went wrong for us to get the call wrong it's not that your judgment is bad sometimes that's the case that some umpires judgments just not okay on that call but usually it's something that we did that blocked our view or didn't give us the best view of the play at the time and continuous movement i talked a little bit about it to some other umpires as the season went on and you see major league guys do it. Our eyes are good enough to work with our brain to make small, calculated, smooth movements to continue to move as the play develops. These players are fast and plays develop differently. And we can't just go set up on a third base line, extend it at the play, or set up the other side of what would be third base line, extend it at any other base. There's that same extension of it because you're going to miss the front edge of the play. Or the play develops and you have to keep on going around. Or we saw a post that was on Facebook where looking at the wedge, but using the wedge as a theory, could have gone one step to the left instead of 15 steps to the right and work all the way around. And you would have been in the same kind of view of a wedge. And it's like everybody, oh, you need to get you need to get around there. Like, well, maybe you left a good calling position to go run around and miss some of the other action. Always looking at the plays that you have, and I think we're really Lucky for the amount of games that are on TV now for us to see and really evaluate ourselves. If you're on TV and you're not looking at your games and really picking at yourself how you can get better, you may not have those other postseason experiences 
that the umpires that are? What are you doing to set yourself apart? What are you doing differently to make you the one that's chosen and not the one that's sitting at home? But four-man, Pac-12 used four-man throughout the whole season and all of their conference games. They didn't have a conference tournament. Uh, so four-man in the ACC with instant replay, three-man in the SEC, and three-man in the Sun Belt, but also using instant replay. Before long, it's going to keep on going. There's a lot of things that go into motion about that, and we'll talk a little bit more about the extra postseason that you had and what other things were implemented into that in our next episode. But I want to talk about how instant replay works. You make a call in the field. The coach throws a red flag on the field. They tap their hat. What do they do? What are the coaches? What's their signal that they want to initiate an instant replay? Can the crew do it at any time during the game? If they're like, hey, you know, I think I want to I want to check my own call. That was really close. Can the crew initiate it? And where do you go to get it? And who's involved with it? And I know all of this is changing, but how did you guys work it for the ACC? The SEC may be different, and maybe we'll have Christian and talk about how that worked with them. Um, but how did it work for you guys? I wish I had my lineup card holder because I have it still taped to my inside of my lineup card holder. But we had a list, I believe it was like 12 items that can be reviewed. Now, you mentioned about like, can we review our own? If we felt like we got it wrong without having a coach question, but that happened, that can happen after the fifth inning. So top of the six is when we can start reviewing our own plays if we want to. Now the coach gets two challenges. It's not like football where if you win a challenge, you don't, you, know, you still have access to, you know, that challenge. Uh, if you lose a challenge, you lose it. That's not how it works. You get two challenges total. And if you guys remember, like in the experimental rules, there's like specific ones that we can go for, especially on timing plays. And there's got to be specific outs and based on like, you know, what it was going on that did play a role as well, but it happened with force plays, outs and safes, and also tag plays. So uh, the two that I do specifically remember that got overturned, mine was a tag play at third, actually was going to end the inning, but it had nothing to do with the outs. And then we had a force play at first base, which was a few games before that. And we actually had a fair foul call that got overturned. And I'll be honest with you, Tony, if we would have had the camera view going through the third baseline, we probably would have had 100% evidence that the ball was tipped by the glove. But when I tell you that it was so close and you can't even tell if the ball really did get tipped by the glove and we don't know exactly where the ball tipped, if it was in fair or foul territory, that's how damn close it was. So uh, fair foul calls were uh, a factor. Also pulled foot. We had one, and ironically, those two last two ones I was talking about are the ones I actually was the operator for. So each umpire at the ACC tournament got to be the review operator. And um, what was awesome is that they put that in our pay scale. So if we were a replay umpire, they gave us a game fee for it, which was really nice because we technically were working another full game. So we had one, like I said, that was... Fair foul, yes, no, who knows? I mean, in real time, we couldn't even tell you if it was, you know, if it was fair. Uh, and I had the two guys that were working with the replay operating system that worked for, you know, with many different events, postseason events as well. They even said they couldn't even tell if that was fair or foul. So we just went with foul ball because it's just the way that the ball was designed. Anyways, we're, we're not going to get into that. 
But the other play was a pulled foot and a, but here's the thing is that she had possession of the base. But what we saw after about six frames is that she bobbled the ball in her glove and it just gave us enough evidence that, that the umpire's call was correct, that she was safe based on the evidence that was pulled. Like I said, it was, it was just tremendous to be able to have that different view. Could I do that full time? I'm not sure if I could sit there for hours and hours and days on days watching review. Now, there could be some people that would love to do this. Probably one I'm actually on the podcast with right now. Probably wouldn't mind doing this all day. But holy cow, I mean, that's just, that's a, that's a lot of concentration that I just don't have. My ADHD kicks in way too much. <laughs> I think we all have the want to be out there on the field and it would be fun. How many, how many screens were you looking at? So I, I'm trying to remember, there was, I think, a total of 12 views, I want to say. Uh, we had two live views. We had 10. One was actually uh, like a full view of the, the actual stadium, which wasn't like something that was going to help us out unless we had a timing play. But we had nine total views to go by. And it didn't have the structure that you see on ESPN or on the major networks where it was clear cut. Like this was very digitized, if you want to put it that. Like I don't even know the actual terms for it. Tony knows exactly what I'm talking about, but they were working off a of 720 instead of 1080. So that was uh, that was a big factor on the pixelation. So when you try to zoom in on things, on things it was very fuzzy. So that was uh, probably a down, downgrade part to that. Go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say that could be a problem, you know, whenever you try to get close, depending on how zoomed in the camera is or how far are they out. If you zoom in, it starts to get distorted. But then also the frame rate, if they're shooting you know, 60 frame per second, you're going to have those extra frames is, you know, if you're shooting 30, you're half of 60. So there's 30 frames that are missing that are in there that could get you to when the ball was actually in the back of the glove and the foot was on the base or something along those lines. One frame, it may be the ball's just outside the glove and the foot's over the top of the bag and you go to the next frame while well, you're shooting a lower frame rate. So now both of them are at the same part. Which one we can't break it down far enough. And that's where it comes in is, is the play confirmed? Is the play overturned? Or are we just going with there was not enough video evidence to overturn it? We aren't really as bad as most people tend to yell and think that we are. But it's really cool. So when you initiate it and you go in to get the instant replay and you guys are talking on the microphone, are both of the calling umpire and the crew chief that was on the field, usually in our game, it's the home plate umpires, the crew chief of that game. Are both of you guys talking in the microphone and did that communication go smoothly? Um, it, most instances it did. Now, the SEC tournament was different. They had the calling umpire and the plate umpire with headphones on, kind of like what you see with Major League Baseball. Now, with us, it, we only had one headset. So the plate umpire is one initiated. And then we had the working umpire and then the two guys that were working with the company up, upstairs to review it. Now, something that nobody knows, you know, especially from the viewer side of it, is that 90% of the time they had an answer by the time they got to the headphones. So there was plenty of calls that we had where we actually had the answer right away for them, except for the two that I had to review when I was in the booth. <laughs> now, our return rate was under two minutes. That's from the time that the coach would tap their hat on top of their hat. It wasn't like uh, baseball where they go to both sides of their ears, you know, to, do, to signal they want to review. It was tap of the hat to review the play. But 
we had, I think the longest review we had was just about two minutes. And I think the shortest review we had was about 28 seconds. So that's how quick we were able to find out the answers. Again, you know, that the quality of the picture wasn't as best as you see on TV, as you would see all those frames. Again, we only had nine, 10 views that we could visibly use. And here's the other thing that a lot of people don't factor in is that as soon as a play happens, and it didn't matter if it was being reviewed or not, we were practicing on which view would be best if the call had to be reviewed. So if we had to play it first, right away, we were going to like six, seven different frames to see which one would fit the part if we had to go to that play to review. So we had enough practice in. I think a couple of mine were like within the few couple innings. So like I barely had enough time to go, ah, like, oh my gosh, okay. It's like, and literally, I think I did that when they had the fear of fall call. I just went, ah, we have a replay. <laughs> so if you're not used to it, if you're not prepared for it, it, it could put you in a, in a, in a spot. But it, it was, it was kind of neat to go through. I, I don't envy the ones that, that have to do this every single day. Now, we did have a, a, a umpire official that does work basketball at the college level. So he was used to messing with the buttons. So he was showing off his little finger button skills. <laughs> <laughs> beep, boop, beep, boop, beep, beep, beep. <laughs> no, that's really awesome to hear about that. And it's things that people don't realize or know that it happened. So it's cool. It's cool to get to hear that part of it. And it's nothing that anybody's really going to know about it unless you've been out there to do it or you get to hear it said on a podcast like this. I was talking to somebody the other day and I was like, oh, I, you know, I started a podcast during the pandemic with a with another umpire. I'm like, oh yeah, how's that going? I was like, well, hey, we're almost to, we're closer to 10,000 downloads than we are to zero. And they're like, really? People want to hear it? And I think it's a side that until they really hear about it, they didn't know that they wanted to hear about it. So it's been fun doing this podcast with you. I'm glad that we're back to doing it again. It was an exciting year of the regular season and we've made it through your first week of postseason conference tournament. I assume after the conference tournament is over that you heard about uh, the regional assignment after that was done. Yeah. Usually how that protocol works, it's a little different than some other sports is that we find out like usually 24 hours after, or at least no later than Monday after the conference tournaments. Yeah. And it was crazy to see the baseball part of it Mm -hmm. and see how quickly they put out theirs. I think they were not even starting conference play yet. And they had their list out for D3. D2, D1, baseball. They knew who the regional, who the super regional, and who the World Series umpires were going to be. And you're like, oh, they already knew who it was? Well, they also had a list of alternates, people that got sick, people that couldn't hack it at that. But they knew who it was. It wasn't a secret. We could call and we could congratulate our, our cohorts. We could let them know that we are there beside them and that there's positive vibes coming their way. I hope that we can get out of this secretive thing that we have going on so that we can reach out and be like, hey, I'm excited because there's only a certain people that know that feeling of excitement, of the nervous energy, the anxiety. And we want to be able to talk to that other umpire that's been there and experienced that. Because you may have been in the game for 10, 10 years, Liz. But it's still bigger that when you go to that super regional and now you get that next assignment or you're preparing for the World Series the two weeks prior. And what am I going to be doing? And what are those communications that I'm going to be having? And can I fly my family there? It's expensive to fly 
three people, not including yourself, halfway across the country, three days before you're supposed to leave, tickets get expensive three days trying to plan it out. Yeah, Tony, there's so much more we can talk about with everything that went with the season, postseason, with the World Series. I mean, I I have a feeling this is going to be more than just a couple episodes, and I would love to get more into it. I would like to dive deeper into a lot of the behind the scenes that a lot of people don't realize what we get into, the good, the bad, the ugly, the excitement. There's some things that I really want to address that I have experienced, and Tony has been able to hear my, my complaints and also the good things that came out of it as well. So be on the lookout for our episodes that we're going to come out with. You're going to be very surprised. You're going to like probably be more um, intrigued, probably more motivated than ever. I- I'm excited for the 2022 season. It's it, There's going to be some big changes in it, and that's going to be a whole other episode I would love to talk about more about what's going to be coming up for the 2022 season as well. Well, when we're able to talk about that, we will talk about that. But I want to leave it here and we're going to do some positive and there's going to be some other stuff that's going to come up and we're going to tread lightly and do what we can. But you know what? We're not tattletaling. We're not doing anything. We're telling the story that happened. And that's what it is. We're not trying to be negative. We're just shedding light on what it's like being an official in this crazy world with all the parents. But as we move along and keep going through this episode, I want to give this opportunity to you guys as well to give us a call. Have the questions that you want to ask Liz about her postseason or how my season went. It'll be shorter than Liz's, but it'll still be a little bit of a story that I had. So 330-552-7211 is our Google number. It'll go straight to the voicemail. Just leave a voicemail there and ask your question. We'll either play it or I'll ask it to Liz. We'll decide how we want to do it. Or if you want to jump on the podcast Facebook page, either leave us a message, comment on a post, we'll make a post there and you will be able to ask your questions. We'll get it to Liz. And so you can hear what's going on. So Liz can prepare a little bit for that. We won't sneak it up on her like we do our postseason list. We'll, we'll get her a little bit of time to be able to prepare for that. But it's been so exciting having you guys back on here and listening to us. I hope that you are excited to have us back try to get this back into at least a weekly thing to start. And if we can grow from there, then we will grow from there. I, I'm excited to be back. It's, it's, it felt a little off, felt like we were missing something in our lives for the last month. I try to do a few of those power chats. I know Tony, you tried doing them as well, but it, it's hard, especially when we're back and forth. But I'm glad to be back. I'm glad we're back. Back better than ever. It's going to be, it's going to be fun. You know, we have a lot to talk about and, we're going to have Sally on again. We're going to have Christy on again. I know we're going to talk to Brad because at uh, Referee Magazine and NASO, they are doing their virtual summit again this year. So go to their website and check that out. We're going to have him on and talk about that. Um, but like I said, reach out to us, 330-552-7211. And if you didn't do it before when I said go do it now, then go do it now and leave us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. Or if you don't have Apple Podcasts, do it on your Google. But do it on the one that you have and go do it now so you don't forget, oh, I'll do it later. Go do it now. People have been asking about camps and clinics that are coming up. There is one clinic that, I'm sorry, camp out in Quad City that got canceled. But if you're looking for something and you're up in that northern area, 
I know Jason Smith up in Minnesota is hosting a camp up there. He's got Kathy Creighton from the Missouri Valley Conference that's going to be attending. The Diamond Umpire Academy is going to be listing their camps coming up on July 15th. So check out their website, diamondumpireacademy.com. They're going to be listing. There's even a little secret surprise that I know of. They're going to be at a new location that a lot of people aren't going to be aware of. It's going to be exciting. So be on the lookout here in the next few weeks. We're going to be posting their schedules. You guys keep listening, share the podcast, but until next time, be excellent. In the beginning of the season, a lot of people had that uncertainty of like what what was going to be expected, especially with the COVID testing, especially with the we had to socially distance, not hanging out. I mean, we had requirements that it's like they, they put <laughs> perfect time. Are they playing marbles? Oh up God, there? <laughs> it's just ridiculous. They shooting marbles. They, they're just they're driving me absolutely nuts. <laughs> Um, hold on, let me yell at Caitlin right now. Tell her, go do something with the damn dog because it's really starting to get my nerves. <laughs> oh, it's probably dropping its bone. And there's a ball. My my new uh, uh, soundproofing pads come in tomorrow. <clears throat> so I'm going to have the, like, you'll have to see like everything back here. I'm going to have it all covered back here. <sighs> Anyways. We're going to, we're going to build a, a shed. She we're going to build a shed in the backyard. <laughs> and what? <laughs> Cheryl, Cheryl, you she shed. <laughs> Girl, it's not your she shed. <laughs> you hear that? I'm getting a new she shed. <laughs> I better put that in the recording. I'm getting a new she shed. Cheryl, it's not your she shed. Oh all my right. gosh. So, <laughs> yeah, I think we could probably keep it. Yeah, we all probably that. could.